Mark Pitaccio, behavioural economist and psychologist at Quilter, joins us this week to tell us how he navigated himself through the toughest periods of his life and how they influenced him to create the meaningful work-life balance he enjoys today. From working in finance, losing his job, dealing with family illness, to then starting his own consultancy and even going back to university at 50, this week's BWB Extra gets to know the highs and lows of Mark Pitaccio's life story a little better. So let's wind the clock back. How did you end up doing what you're doing? You started doing something completely different, right? And changed at 50. I did, but actually my whole business career came out of a period of adversity, you know, looking back on it. And it shaped actually a lot of the questions that I ask now when I'm consulting with with, with businesses. Because what happened was Jan was pregnant. Unfortunately, we we lost our baby, but then she contracted cancer as well. Oh my God. Yeah. So she had to go through some very heavy chemotherapy. Also, at the same time, you know, my grandma died. I mean, it was, it was, it was like she was just pouring it, you know, one thing on, on top of another. But then I went to work on the Monday and I was working for an American company at the time. You know, Jan had gone through sort of three very heavy levels of chemotherapy. And I remember, you know, I remember her sitting in the bath and I just came and looked at her and she just handed me a razor and just went, just shaved my hair yeah, off, you know, because yeah. it was all you know, falling out. It was really, it was really difficult times. And as she was sort of going through all this, I went, I went to, to work to find that the office was locked and um, I'd managed to get into the building. And then the M- UK MD at the time said, oh, Mark, I need to have a work with you. I said, oh, yeah, what's, what's happened? He said, um, he said, basically, we got a call on Friday from the American parents saying they're shutting the UK. So basically, oh we don't, you know, we, there's no work now. We, 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 they closed the business. And of course, the only thing I was thinking about was, how am I going to tell Jan I've lost my job? You know, is, uh, in the middle of all of this. And what was the job at the time you were? I was in finance and leasing. Finance. Yeah, leasing. I was in finance and leasing. So I went, well, there's, there's no way I can go and tell her I've lost, I've lost my job. So I thought, right, okay. I sorted out. I had to. We had to give the car back. All sorts of because I had a company car. So presumably they had to pay you redundancy. Very or little because I'd only been headhunted oh, okay. into that role of a matter of a few months before. All right, so it was it, it was a real perfect storm. So I remember I went back home and I just I thought right I walked through the door I, only had, I lived in a little cottage walked through the door and threw my briefcase on the sofa and said right Jan I, I can't there's no way I can go to work and with all this going on so I'm going to start my own business nice so, you know because that was it and I said don't wait you don't have to worry honestly it's all fine we got we got plenty of clients it's it, 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 you know we we'll we work it out and I remember the the following day I had to Jan drive back to, to, had to drive Jan back to the hospital for another whole load of, of, of chemo. Then I had to drive um, the car back to the office, had to give that back and then get a lift back home. And I was, I was at my desk, uh, a little desk. It was actually my dad's from when he, from, from when he was a child, but I get this little desk. And um, we had no mobile phones, but you probably wouldn't remember. You wouldn't I would. Know. Would you? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm um, maybe older than I look. So I was, and I sat down, and I, I sat down at this desk and literally rang the bank and just basically explained what had happened and could I keep, you know, that I was having a bit of, I thought, be honest with them. And they said, no, that's fine. Thanks for letting us know. And and then 
about 11 o'clock, in, 11 o'clock that morning, the phone rang and it was the finance director of a printing company who was one of my clients in, in, in he was in Welling Garden City at the time. And he said, oh, Mike, said, I'm really, really sorry to ring you at home. I said, no, that's okay, Chris. Hey, said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine, it's fine. I said, what's, what's the matter? He said, well, look, I've, I've persuaded your office to give me your home number. He said, we've got a problem. And I said, well, what is it? He said, well, you know that big printing press, and these were big, big Heidelberg press. He said, we've got a, we've got a serious problem. He said, if we can't renegotiate the lease on this Heidelberg press, we, the, the business is going under. Oh, wow. And so I said, oh, right, okay. He said, could you come and negotiate, you know, help us negotiate because you understand that, you know, leasing arrangements. Mm-hmm. I said, of course, Chris. He said, uh, he said, and he said, um, when would you be able to come and, and see us? I just went, I remember going, hang on, I'll just check. There's nothing in my diary for the rest of my life at this point. You know, I said, I'll just check. And he said, well, we can get them in on Wednesday. I said, that's fine. And then he said to me, oh, how much would you, you, would you charge? And this was back in, in 90, 92, 93. And I said, oh, I, I didn't, I just didn't know, you know. And he said, would a hundred pound be all right? And he, I said, yeah, yeah. It was an afternoon, you know, a couple of hours work yeah, yeah. as well. I said, yeah, I said, for you, Chris, I'll, I'll do it for a hundred pounds. And agreed, we had no transport. The only thing we had was this old moped that Jan used to ride. <laughs> so I remember getting my suit on, getting waterproofs on, strapping my briefcase on the back of this old moped, right, bussing down to Welling Garden City, parking it in, the, in, in this underpass, <laughs> right, getting my waterproofs off, smartening myself up. I went in and basically renegotiated this lease. And I remember the last thing I was being, as I walked out, Chris said, oh, come back, Mark. He said, so what, what is it? He said, you've just saved everybody's jobs in this building. Oh, wow. Right. And I went, oh, okay. And I had my hundred pounds and then... Call it a thousand pounds. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I I'm should have done. I'm quite tempted to buy that story if that helps. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and I, and I, I thought... Just when I thought I wasn't worth anything, someone was telling me I was worth £100 for half a day. That's that's £200 for a day. That's £1,000 for a week. Do you know what? I can make this work. And when some job offers started coming in, I said, no, I'm going to I'm going to keep running my own consultancy start and, start and start my own business. And so I remember the reason I was able to do that, the reason I walked in and was able to start my own business is because I genuinely wasn't scared. Because the only thing that mattered to me was, was Jan going to get better? I really didn't care about my job. It made yeah, it was yeah. it became so insignificant. Yeah. And so quite often, you know, I ask people when they when we're consulting with them, I say, Well, what would you do if you weren't scared? And they go, Well, I'm not scared. Oh, you are scared of something. If there were no consequences to taking this decision, what would you do? And it really again, you know, it opens up the conversation. So that's sort of how I got to on this mm. journey to sort of running businesses and then that morphed into, you know, various other financial things and then and then going back to university to really hone down on the psychology side of it. What do you think your long-term girl is? I, I don't have one. No long-term girl. A guy who's asked people about that very question and you don't have one. Well, no, because I don't ask about their long-term goals. That's oh. the point. I ask, I have a narrative and a You've vision. You've not been paying attention. Yeah, okay. yeah. You've got to leave to something, but yeah. isn't that a long-term girl? No. I mean, it's a long-term. It's a purpose. It's an aim. It's, it's a, a purpose. Yeah, so my, my... In a while. So if I get up tomorrow and I am adding value to, to the client's 
that I deal with. If I'm, you know, if I'm making a difference in that small way, and I'm doing that every day, for me, that is what I enjoy doing. And maybe it might be a result of maturity or, or getting old, in other words. Because probably if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, I'd have probably had a whole list of stuff. Yeah. But actually, I'm going, do you know what? It's every day adding value and enjoying the work I'm involved in. That's, to me, that's got a real that's sense us. of purpose. What's the most misunderstood thing about what you do? Everybody thinks I'm a clinical psychologist and that I'm going to analyse them. So it's, you know, that you sort of get this sense that, you know, oh, that my, that behavioural chap's here. And you sort of think, you know, you're going you're gonna to go upstairs and ask them to... have a couch that you take with you. <laughs> yeah, lie on this couch and tell me about your mother. You know, no, that is not what you we You should do. have one of those pocket watches on a train <laughs> too. So it's like, oh, you know, you hypnotise people. bow tie, you know, yeah. Bow tie. Out of all of these decisions where you ended up, what's been your biggest cock-up, your biggest failure, do you think? Yeah, I mean, most of the failures have been intelligent ones, what we call into. So, so they are the ones you learn from. In other words, they were, uh, you know, we, they, it was a new opportunity. We had, to, or I had to act to see if it would work or not. So it was well hypothesised and I didn't bet the whole sort of farm on it. But actually, when we sold the business or merged the business into a into a, a consolidator, that was betting the farm on it, and it didn't work out too well. Basically, into a consolidator. Yeah, so they were buying or, or they were merging a lot of financials. So and you businesses. you joined all of that, did you? Or? I, I joined one. It was, it was it was many years ago, and we 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 basically never we ended up never, not getting paid. And um, oh wow! Um, but you know, even then, you know, and it was a lot of money. But I remember when I was told that um, we weren't going to get paid, and you, and I and I drove home, you know, to my house. In you know, walked walked into my house. We went, you know, my wife's there, my two daughters are there. You know, we've got a lovely home. I then um, put some kit on and I went and did a coaching coaching session with some lads. Did a kicking session with some guys at, at the rugby club. And I was walking back and I was just thinking, well, if I'd had the money in the bank today or not, what would I have done differently today, tonight? And I was looking around, I go, do you know, I wouldn't have done anything. I would still have done this. Yeah. And so, and then actually some of the people I've met, I, I, I you know, one of my main colleagues, I'm fortunate enough to work with, you know, some, some really bright people and also some people that are just wonderful to work with. And I met some of them on that part of the journey. So... I wouldn't want them to be out of my life. What's your passion outside of business? Put them in order. Put them in order. You seem to have a few. What's number one? Number one's the cycling. Number one's the cycling. Ah, oh, is it the coaching? Is it the rugby? The rugby. My family and friends, obviously, but it's travel, sport and music. Put them in one. Travel, sport and music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... it's All it, the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do you um, try and achieve all three at once? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. go on a holiday. Play the guitar coaching rugby on a holiday. Every year I try and go somewhere I've never been with people I've never met with my bike. Every year I try and do that. Now, I'll give you an example. On your own, you just go off. On. Yeah. Last year I went to uh, Central America. I, went to, I wanted to ride between, um, between Mexico and Nicaragua. Oh, and I was with, I, and I, I just happened to meet on this trip uh, an American um, human rights lawyer who lived in Guatemala, who'd lived in Guatemala for, for, for a year. He then lived in Nashville. And as we were heading for, for the Guatemalan border, basically the narcos took over the road. 
okay? And we were basically left with a choice of either carrying on and trying to get into Guatemala... Just cycling faster. ...and risking kidnap, or going round it and basically spending four days going up the hard shoulder of the motorway. And he said, uh, you know... It's interesting because going back 10 years, I would have gone, no, I am going to get to Nicaragua. But to mix all this up, have you ever done all these things at once? He said, well, why don't you just come back to mine in Nashville and spend three weeks in Nashville? (laughs) So I went... And then since then, I've been lying to the wife, telling her I'm going to Nicaragua, but I go to Vegas. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? So we got an issue. We had an issue in our family. It was causing my parents, you know, a bit of concern. And I tried everything with with this person to try and to try and solve it um, and try and sort it out. And someone advised me, "Well, you've tried everything else. Try getting angry." So I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. It was the worst thing I could have done. It yeah. just, it just Anger, had, that never helped. It, it just did not, it made the problem a lot worse. Mm. And I really regret. You that know, was shit advice. Yeah, yeah, it was poor advice. I mean, at the time I was thinking, well, I've tried everything else. It does sort of make sense. It might have a, you know, but it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What's the best bit of advice you've ever been given? Don't eat yellow snow. Don't yes. eat yellow snow. Yeah. What is yellow snow? <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Yellow snow. Somebody's peed on the snow, probably. Oh, right. Okay. Well, it could be any reason, couldn't it? I thought it might be slang for something, you know? I don't know. So one of our, we lost a couple of our rugby mates from leukemia. And one of them was was a really close friend. And we, we lost them both in the same season, which was, and I was really struggling with, with dealing with it. I mean, some months after. And a mate of mine said to me, he said, he said, well, he, he did a marathon in, in, in aid of leukemia. He said that really helped him, you know. He said, so I advise you, honestly, put go and do something in, in Mickey's memory and, and, you know, you'll feel, you'll feel a lot better. And I, I still wasn't really sure what to do. And they, I, mean, I was speaking at an investment conference in, in Scotland um, and it was a round, of, a round of speaking events. And I'd had one of those really terrible Ryanair flights, you know, one of those ones where almost, you know, an, an oxygen mask will fall from your head. Oh my God, yeah, I've had one of them yeah. in my Please life. Please insert one pound into the slot to release the oxygen. You know, Ryanair are looking for yeah. maximising their profit. Every penny. <laughs> but anyway, I basically got, uh, we were having dinner that evening and I said, oh, I had such a bad flight up here. I said, honestly, I've just bought a bike. I said, I'd rather ride up here next time than get a flight. So he said, oh, that'd be interesting. Anyway, a couple of bottles of Pinot later, I said, do you know what you could do? You know, for your mate. He said, in memory of your mate, you could ride between all these investment events. And I went, yeah, could come around. Let's have another bottle of Pinot. Yeah, you know, it's amazing what you agree to when you've had, you know, you've had too much to drink. And so I said, you know, like I said, I only just bought this bike. And... Um, I remember going to bed and waking up the next morning going, oh, no one will remember that conversation. And the first call I got was from the guy who organised all the events. He said, we've been on to the business that sponsors it. He said, we're in. We got it onto the agenda this morning. All right, you can ride between all the events next. <laughs> I said, well, how far is it? His mate had been up all night on AA, on an AA roadmap thing. He said, it's about a thousand miles. A thousand miles? I said, are you 
joking. I said, I've only just bought a bike. And he said, and so sort of, I basically had to sort of get involved. You'd, you'd never like, you, you knew how to ride a bike, but you just bought a bike. For I just, no, I, I, I never really, I, I knew how to ride a bike like any kid would. Yeah. But, but this was our post rugby sport to keep us, you know, keep us a little bit fit. So anyway, we did the ride for life. And it raised about fifty grand, so it was it was it was it was a good it was a good event. And then there I was thinking that's where this would all end, okay. And then a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from a mate of mine. He says, um, "He says, oh, busy." He said, um, "Busy." I work for said they're they're starting um, they're starting an amateur version of the Tour de France. And I went, "Right." He said, "Well, they're looking they're looking for riders." I said, right. Good, <laughs> well, good. Yeah, what, Lucky then. What, what, he said, well, you've just done this ride for life around Britain. He said, we thought you'd like to get involved. And I said, what, why, what? They mean the whole of the Tour de France. He said, just, we can do it all 21 stages, one week before the professionals. And I remember him, I remember him trying to sell it to me because he was, he was going, this is the 100th anniversary of going up the Tourmalet, this mountain. So he said, this year it's got the circle of death in it. <laughs> So I said, well, if it's got the circle of death in it, why didn't you say, I'm in? What's the circle of death? And it's like these four mountains in a row. And I said, oh, great. And he said, and it's Eddie Merckx's birthday. And I knew he was a famous cyclist. He said, and so they're going to start, they're going to start this year by riding on the cobbles. I said, why would I want to ride my bike on cobbles? Fucking hell. But then what he said, he said, look, he said, you know, really want to get this off the ground. He said, the charity is a grant-giving charity that supports the hardest-to-reach kids through sports and arts projects. And he knew he got me because of the coaching we'd done and all the things that we'd been involved in. So then I started looking looking at the Tour de France and thinking, right, there's 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 different ways of approaching this. You can either you can either treat it as one three thousand six hundred kilometer ride or actually eighty two hour rides. And if you do, you will complete it if you can do all those eighty two eighty two hour rides. So it's twenty one stages, but you're splitting it up. You know, you're still doing the stage in the same day as the pros, but obviously you're taking it taking a lot longer to do it. And so basically, twelve of us were on the start line. And when it came to, I thought I knew about teams, but at the end of that first stage, I was in the strongest team I'd ever been in. I'd never met these people before, but straight away, we all knew what we wanted to achieve and we all realised we weren't going to be able to do it on our own. We had to work together to do it. And and we launched the first amateur version of the Tour de France, which which now raises about £350,000 a year and is run every single year. Wow. So, I mean, so that one piece of advice... Get on your bike. The effect that, you know, ride something in memory of your your friend has just led to this incredible series of events that, that, that just keep going. Reach out and touch the universe and it might touch you back, you know. What advice uh, would have you given your younger self? I think it would have just, it would have just been, it'll be okay. You know, it'll, don't, don't get so worried about what people think. Don't worry, it's going to be fine. I think it would be it would be something as 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 simple as that. You know, we we worry about the wrong things when we're young, don't we? Have you got any sort of recommendations of things we should be reading or watching or listening to? Oh my goodness. Um music. Yeah. <laughs> What's your music ones? 
Anything by Led Zeppelin. Oh, man. The greatest band ever. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think... No one uh, played rock like them, no, ever. No. It's, it's just another level. They're the Beatles of, of rock, in a way, you know? It's like... I was at um, Taylor Hawkins Memorial gig, so the Foo Fighters, you know, it's probably the nearest current... Or was... Yeah, I Christ, think, well, they're I wouldn't still even going. think it was the same ballpark, but I don't really listen to yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're, they're fantastic as, I, as well. I have to admit, I have no idea what either of you are talking about. Right. You've heard of Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin? I've heard of them, but I couldn't... If you told me to name a song... By There's the most no famous. Idea. I mean, their songs are all ten minutes long. There's "Stairway to Heaven" is their most famous. Oh, right, but okay. anyway, can you give me a favorite Led Zeppelin song? What's the Cashmere? Like? Cashmere. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. In fact, my daughter and I, because I go to gigs with my younger daughter, and we have actually got the top 100 guitar riffs of all time. And the best Christmas present I've ever had is where she managed to get little photos and cut out photos of every single album cover and create a poster of the top 100 guitar riffs that we'd created wow. of all nice, time. Nice, nice. So that was really cool. One film I think everyone should watch is Marvellous, which actually is a, is, a, is a film on... It's about the Sheffield United kit manager... And it is the most uplifting film. And not not everybody, not a lot of people have seen it. I love Christopher Nolan films. I love Monty Python. Is it a Christian Nolan film? No, that isn't. No, oh. but but I would imagine that you get that response. Have you watched response. Ted Lasso? Yeah, I suppose to say it sounds yeah. a bit Ted Lasso. Yeah. It? It's a sort of, you know, a likeable guy or something, you know. No. Oh. <laughs> I think it's just, it's 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 a remarkable film. Toby Jones plays. Oh, plays Toby in, Jones. Yeah. Toby Jones is everywhere. I know, I know. What's he recognising? Yeah, You're like, yeah. fuck, he's this English guy in every American film. Like every- Everybody yeah. I've told, go and watch this film, have texted me after they've seen it. Oh, and right, gone, right, and gone, oh, that was, I was in floods of tears. And anybody who wants to get a basis of... Um, of behavioural economics should should uh, um, thinking fast and slow by Dan Kahneman. I was about to. Kahneman, I was about to yeah, you yeah. must love that book. It's he's like this god of behavioural uh, is science, isn't he? I mean, he's the one with all did all those tests. I mean, that book is just littered with. Oh, then we got people and we showed them a horse, and then they jumped out the window or whatever, you know. I don't remember that experiment, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure someone's done that. It feels like something they wouldn't have been allowed to do for <laughs> yeah. health and safety reasons. I mean, and his partner, Amos Tversky, who unfortunately, he didn't he didn't share the Nobel Prize because they don't award it posthumously, but he would his, his work, you know, with Daniel Kahneman was, yeah, really groundbreaking. This is our favourite part of the show. Okay, what's one of you? Um, so, Mark, this is called the business versus bullshit quickfire round. We're going to say various terms, and you've got some cards there, and you need to tell us whether it is business or bullshit. And so we're going to say some stuff, uh, DQ the music. Are you ready, Mark? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Breakfast meetings. <laughs> Good, uh, bullshit that was NFTs oh, sorry. A- NFT you've got to say it, it's business because they're a reality but whether I can I bish shit that you can have that think tanks I've never bullshit. met a tank that really thinks that's bullshit <laughs> team outings Oh, God. You've got to put some context on it. I mean, believe me, some of them are really worth it. And some of them you wonder what you... Can I be shit that one? Because it really depends on the... It depends on the team very much. Flexible working. Oh, no, that's business. Yeah, definitely. Business plans. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. business. Yeah, you've got to to have one. Asking favours. 
Yeah, well, it depends how you ask them, but as a psychologist, I'm going to say yes, aren't I? It's business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, microdosing. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as a psychologist, you should probably get involved. Bitcoin. Oh, total and utter. Bullshit. Yeah. Yes, holding the bullshit Total card. bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Universal income. I think it's going to be inevitable. Hmm. And that's probably really? for another podcast. Yeah, that's business. Yeah, that I, I like the sound of that. It's going to be inevitable. I mean, lockdown was a version of it. Yeah, it was a lockdown. Furlough. A furlough was, was a only, version. It was a, yeah. Right. And you see in Switzerland, they only just narrowly defeated the idea of a universal income. And I think what's going to drive universal income is that the understanding if a pandemic can stop people earning, then arguably so can technology. And with the rise of the metaverse, I think potentially you're going to see the introduction of a universal income. It may not be, it's not going to be short term, but I think eventually when people realise that technology in the same way has removed a large opportunity for labour in, 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 in large sections of society, the chances are that the debate for universal income is going to become very real. It, one thing that does keep me awake at night is the potential darker side of AI generally and the potential, you know, uh, with, with actually people really living existing solely in a metaverse, I think is yeah. something. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the same thing as, as that, that is going to create, that is always repairing itself it's always learning from itself yeah so it's never the finished product or finished uh, finished article i think the thing with the universal income though is that there are there are going to be certain sections of society that is going to affect more than others and this is where i think the idea of a universal income will come from going viral but you can go viral in a good way or a bad or way a how do i answer way. that's a big shit, shit thing i think i don't know how to answer that mbas do you know, because I know, I've, I've got to say business. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've, got, you've, got, you've got all lots of friends with them. <laughs> they are bullshit. Uh, hot desking. Oh, do you know that has such connotations? Um, <laughs> I, I think hot desking is just, it's got to be business. It's just, it's just life. a good use of resources. It's life, yes. was this week's episode of BWB Extra and we'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. Until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye.